today, I'm having a guest with Insulate, also known as, I'm going to try and say it right, Sunchica. 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 I was so close and yet so far away, which apparently means sunshine in Croatian. So uh, it's really good to have you here. And we're here in London, in, uh, we're near Canning Town, because you are here to uh, DJ tonight. Yes, tonight I'm playing in Fold. Yeah. I'm really excited about it because um, I'm not playing so much in London, to be honest. I think this is my third time in 25 years of career. In 25 years? Yes. Wow. So it's a really special one yeah. and uh, I'm really looking forward. Excellent. And I think I just looked at your Insta before you came in and I think I'm right in saying it looks like you're uh, on stage in about 12 hours, about four in the morning. Yeah. Wow. So... You have, and this was the main reason I was really excited to talk to you, um, a life that I think a lot of people would find quite desirable mm -hmm. and and couldn't imagine attaining it. So one one thing I've really wanted to uh, to get a picture of from you. One thing I want to know is how did you how did you achieve this? How did you get this life? Okay, yeah, I started. I was really really young. I started in '97. Wow. So yeah, 25 years already passed. <laughs> I'm so old. Oh, so this is when you were like a teenager? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, it started pretty young. Um, it was uh, in Croatia, it was post-time uh, war. Um, Just after the War of Independence. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, the scene was actually blooming. So it, uh, we had like a lot of uh, underground raves. So perfect for developing techno, yeah. you know. So uh, I started as young. So uh, there was one club in, uh, which was opening in um, my hometown. And uh, straight away after first year I started, I got the residency there. And it was actually my home for three or four years. Wow. And after that, I started to tour a bit abroad. So first the countries near Croatia and now all over the world. Yeah. So you, so you started firmly in techno? Uh, yes. And you... Actually, I started in everything because right. I didn't have money to buy records. So I was actually taking records from uh, my um, fellow DJs, yep. uh, their old records, whatever. So I played house, techno, trance, whatever. You yeah. know, I, I, I actually didn't have any taste, you know. What, just whatever what... you could get hold of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, was, I just wanted to mix, you know, and that's, why, that's what, that, that was my goal. I didn't have any taste in, in music. When you were doing that, so I presume this was all vinyl. Yeah. And um, many, many years, actually, like for 15 years, I play only vinyl. Oh, really? Yeah. So what in about you started doing digital mixes in about what, 2012, something like that? Yeah. Wow. So you so if you're taking all these different uh, genres together that you're, you know, you're getting from your fellow DJs, were you... Uh, were you doing, you know, specific mixes? I'm going to do a house mix, I'll do a techno yeah. mix. Or were you just pulling it all together? No, I was just putting everything together. <laughs> How do you do that with all the BPMs clashing? I have no idea. I think if I listen to some of my old cassettes, I, it, was be, it will be like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to listen to it. Of course. <laughs> it was like, I was just starting and I just wanted to mix and this was my only goal, you know. Yeah. And uh, later on when I, when I could achieve uh, vinyls that I, I want. I started to play techno, strictly techno from 2001. So from, from that time on, I'm playing only techno. And what was it about techno that drew you in as a genre? Because um, to, let's say, a very mainstream audience, people who listen to music that's very tonal and it's verse, chorus, verse. Yeah. I can imagine at first it seems quite or not, I wouldn't say uniform, mm. but you know, quite hard to get into. Yeah. What was it that drew you into it? Actually, uh, when I started, 
uh, I was really drawn to a Napoli kind of techno. So Italian guys as Rino Cerone, uh, Marco Carola back then. Um, it, it was, I, I don't know, I really love the rhythm. I love um, the groove. So this is the main things that actually moves me. And uh, I found uh, very much like it. So I started to play uh, this kind of techno. Yeah. Uh, during the time I was developing, it was more minimal or more hard or, uh, you know, it was developing through the time because it is a lot of years. Yeah. But, um, actually now, somehow I came full circle. Yep. And now again, I'm back to the this rhythmic kind of techno, which I really, really like. So nowadays I can play my old, old vinyls in, in my sets. Today. Yeah. So when you're in the mix and when you're performing... Um, is there something hypnotic about it? Like you forget time yeah. and you, 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 it feels timeless. Yeah, it's, it's something that you actually cannot describe, but um, when you match two, two tracks together, not, not beat match, when you match it by feeling, by, by groove, yes. by something that, that will give you the goosebumps, you know, it's some kind of special feeling. Yeah. Everybody can beat match. It's, that, that is not a problem. It's not... Some kind of big thing. That's know? like five percent of the job. Like, yes. Yeah. So when you really match two tracks together to go, and actually when you match the whole set to be one one kind of experience for, yes. for somebody and for me too, that then I'm the most happy. That's why I really love to play longer sets. Yeah. So how long? Four hours. Four hours. Let's say I, I love it. I, I love the, for example, Berheim kind of thinking. You know, four hours. It's perfect because you can develop your set from 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 start to, to the end you know and everything in between yeah and uh, I don't know that's maybe I'm not so well I'm, I'm good but maybe I'm not enjoying so much in the festival kind of sets where you can play like one hour one hour 15 yeah it's like I don't find myself there yo so right so because I've seen you've been playing a lot of festivals this year haven't you yes <laughs> and um <laughs> You're not. Are you? Are you still catching up on sleep from all that? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so festivals, you get about an hour and fifteen. And do you find that's just about when you're starting to get into it? Yes. Well, it's actually stop. a totally different approach. You know, you cannot develop something from the beginning. Everybody are playing like their main time. Yeah. Tracks. The greatest hits. Yes. <laughs> and uh, me as a listener, I, I'm not enjoying so much uh, in, in that kind of approach. You yeah. know, when I'm on the festival, I don't like it. You yes. know, so for me, it's like, okay, now everybody play the bangers. Yeah. You know, and, and that's it. And there's no, they're not, they're not, they are beat matching them, but that's all they're doing. Yeah, the vibes it. aren't going together. Yes. Right. So there is not much, I don't know, finesse mm -hmm. in all of that. But when you play longer sets, you can really drive people in, in, into everything. So Yeah, I have a friend from uh, Lithuania uh, who lives uh, up in Manchester with us now. And um, uh, he was saying that that also has a thriving electronic music scene and underground scene. But he was first explaining the kind of the theory of a good night to me, mm -hmm. because it sounds very boring when you put it that way. But uh, insofar as it's like, you know, you just said, of course, you're not just beat matching because anyone can do that. And of course, now, you know, I'm, I'm, a ver I'm, I'm ashamed to say, because it sounds like I'm plugging on someone else's <laughs> appearance. I'm a beginner DJ. I got my foot during lockdown. I got my first like Hercules controller oh, and then juiced and all the buttons just do the beat match for you. And it's like, well, <laughs> that can't be the skill then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so why am I saying this? Yes, because so um, beat matching isn't just the thing. You've got to not only make sure that each track goes 
the vibe and the feeling is right going from one into the next, but also that together it makes a whole journey and they're, you know, from the beginning of your set to the end of it. And then not only that, but the, all the sets next to each other also yeah. make a and journey. It's never the same, you know, it depends on the crowd who is in front of you. It depends yeah. on the mood in the club. Yes. What time are you playing? You know, it's everything, um, everything needs to be on the, in the right time, uh, at the right, right place, you know. It, it, there's so many um, things that can affect how your set will develop. Yeah. You know, so. So uh, that's one thing that um, would frighten someone like me or like make me nervous because <laughs> I've not yet performed in front of people. You've been doing this since 97. What was it like in the early days in 97 when you've got people there and it's just not happening the, 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 you know you've not yeah. got the right vibe how how do you switch it up yeah well i think at the first you are so scared about everything so you're not thinking yeah. about people at all are you just trying to get you know, through it from start to finish i need to mix i need to i mean i need to beat match you know you're just yeah. bit matching at the first yeah and uh, then later on you start to get it okay let's look at the audience let's see what is the mood because you can beat match in your sleep by that point yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's no problem but at the first you're only about beat matching because yeah. you are super scared about everything and later on when you relax uh, it's very important to know your music of course yep. you know what you are playing what what you're supposed to put in in what what moment you know yep. so yeah it was, it was fun in, in in the beginning i was i was super scared about everything I, I I didn't thought thinking about uh, about music at all, you know. That's why I was mixing everything. Yeah. But later on, you know, when when you start to feel, it, it's just about feeling, you know. And I think it develops through the time. Right. So, would you say to um, you know young people who want to get into this art form, get into DJing? It's like get used to the fact that at first. It's not going to be the best mix you've ever done. Yeah. It's going to be a bit scary because yeah. you won't have the expertise and there'll be a crowd there watching you kind of mess it up. Yeah. And just get get almost comfortable with that discomfort and get through it. Yeah. Just mix. Yeah. You know, everything is in work. How long had you been going when you felt like, I've got this now, I can relax and start to look at the, the vibe of the room? Yeah, I think after a few years... Uh, this residency actually helped me a lot yeah. because I was like at home there. And the funniest thing that um, actually at the beginning, because I was super, super young, I couldn't stay out long because I had a really strict parents. Oh, really? Yeah. You were DJing in a post-war setting and you had strict parents who were like, there's a bedtime, <laughs> right? So uh, I needed to be at home till midnight. Wow. So all, I always play like a beginner sets, yep. you know, like warm up. Was that like 10, 10, 10 till 12? 12. Yeah. And um, for me, it was actually good because I craft my, my, my stuff, you know, and I learned how to, to, to make a warm up in the end yep. when I had the opportunity to really choose what I want to play. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it, it, was, it was super strange in the beginning. But later on, I think after a few years, um, when I started to tour around Croatia and later on when I started to tour around Europe, um, I started to get that feeling because also when you get used to crowd, then you maybe already know what you what you need to play, you know, to 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 be in the right mood. Say it's the festival season. You've done festival season this year, which you yeah, said it's uh, pretty crazy season. Okay, so talk us through that. Where have you been? Um, I just came back from Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, I played there uh, three gigs, so it was two festivals and one after hour. 
So it was pretty fun because I played for 7,000 people at one festival. Then I played um, on the smaller festival, like 3,000. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I played on After Hour for like, I don't know, 400 people, yeah. you know. And uh, for me, it was super big experience because I played like the set, as, as I told you, like for one hour, 30 minutes. Yeah. And then later on, I played like four hours nice. on that uh, After Hour. So that's where you're really at home. Yes. Okay. So I really, really enjoyed it. And it was really nice, of, nice um, end of this little tour. Yeah. Uh, before that, um, I played in Berheim. Um, I played there for four hours. It's, it, was, it was really perfect. It was a uh, Mote Volver night from Lux Later. And um, it was really, really good. Um, and that actually weekend was super crazy because I played in Zagreb uh, Friday, Saturday I played uh, in Amsterdam and then straight from Amsterdam I went to Berlin. Berlin. Yeah, I was almost chasing you around Europe that <laughs> week because I was in Amsterdam just as you were leaving and then I went yes. across to Germany. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I came to, to Berlin at 10 in the morning and I played for 1 p.m. Nice. in Berlin. So it was like... Just no, didn't stop that time. Didn't stop. Okay. But... Um, uh, what did I say? At the end of this weekend, I still stayed like in Berlin for 18 hours after that because I didn't want to miss this opportunity. Well, who knows, you know, with all these stories about Berlin closing and everything, what's of going course. on? Yeah. Let's, See, I, I let's don't enjoy know about the that. moment. You can talk me, talk me through that. What's going on there? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I'm... It's just rumors. Yeah, just yeah. rumors. So let's see. I really hope so. It's not like so that. Where do you pick this up from? Is this from your community of DJs, the people you know? Where else do you get your info from on this uh, stuff? Actually, I got some info from, from friends, but I think it's only rumors yeah. and what I read in the, in the, on the internet. So yeah. that's, it, that's it. And before that, I played like many festivals, also in Croatia. And well, I, I was really all around this summer. So yeah. it, was, it was actually really good. I was super scared about about uh, how this year is going to go because of the pandemic and everything. Yep. So I was scared like... You worried they might stop everything again? Yes. Yeah. And also I didn't know is, is it going to start that fast as, as it is in yep. the end because um, I thought maybe people will be scared or there are going to be many, many, many things like what we need to take care of, you know, to go to party. People don't like that, to get tested, to yeah, go oh, yeah, to whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, in the end, it was really perfect year. Yeah. I, I, I think it's the best year in my life, actually. Really? Yeah. That is quite an amazing thing to yeah. be able to say. I'm really, I am happy to hear that because it's 2022 for those of people watching in the distant future. <laughs> uh, two years ago, talk us through 2020. What were you doing? Because your life is performing in front of big groups. Yes. So my life changed a lot, changed a lot in, in, this, in this time. Um, but actually it was not so bad because um, at the beginning, so it was March 2020, right? When, when everything started, I was just supposed to go to the to tour to Japan and the Taiwan and yes. Korea and um, everything stopped. So it was a big shock, shock in the beginning, but in the end I figured out what, what I was supposed to do and I started to educate. Yep. So um, I started my own masterclass. Great. Uh, in Ableton, and uh, actually, I had three generations in the end uh, from people all around the world. How many people were in each cohort? Uh, so uh, I had uh, ten people at one group. Nice. Uh, first year, I had uh, two groups. Uh, one was in Croatian language, and other one was in English. And then later on, I had only in, only English groups. Yes. So um, it was pretty exhausted, but yeah. uh, also. Um, uh, I like it because uh, it kept me 
in, 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 in that mood, you know, I was still surrounded by people who are doing music. You weren't just switched off for the year and then no, like no, no, losing no, no, no. your... No, definitely uh, not. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big workaholic, right. so I, I love to work. Uh, so if it's not if you're not gonna play at the gigs, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else. Yeah. And also my label, Out of Place um, Records, um, started well. It's it's I open it 2016, mm-hmm. I think sort of 15. And um, actually in pandemic it started to bloom. Right. Like it was also the best years of of my my label, you know, till till now. So um, there was a lot of work. Yeah. And I was working more than ever. Yeah. I was exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think also that kept me away from thinking, okay, now it's maybe maybe this kind of life that I lived before will never come back. It, it did feel like that, didn't it? In let's by the sort of early weeks of April 2020, um, which is when we started this podcast. This was our way of keeping ah, busy. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> It really felt like everyone was going, this is never going to end. This is yeah. going to go on forever. We're going to be yeah. standing apart. Yeah. And thank goodness we, uh, you know, we're, we're all uh, vaccinated and we can all stand near each other again. <laughs> yeah. Um, although and I'm it's not... good, good to have something, sorry, it's good to have something um, that will keep your mind off of that. Like Absolutely you've done your right. podcast. That's right. You yeah. know, and uh, everybody, I, I think the, the, the most terrible thing, what, what you can do is just stand in the couch, you know, and yeah. waiting for something to, to pass. You yes. Know, so. And the best thing is that you have a venture, an endeavor that, again, if it blossomed in lockdown, you can then carry that through. It's it's kept going, you know, because yeah. a lot of people just took up things during lockdown that they then stopped yeah. straight away. And also a lot of businesses like, uh, you know, people at like Zoom and things like this, mm-hmm. like video conferencing, their share price went up and then right back down yeah, after yeah, lockdown. Yeah. So you're, you're, what you were doing has actually added to your life. Tell me why you started the label in 2016. Uh, actually, I started with my ex-partner, Volster, um, and it was our um, thing, how we wanted to express our feeling about current situation in Croatia. Because in 2016, um, there was not so many techno parties. And that's why we called our label out of place, because right. we felt like that, you know, in, in that time. After that, uh, I continued with the label by myself. And um, nowadays, I really love to showcase young producers. Great. That's my main thing. Of course, there are many, many very well-known producers. I love to include them as remixers or something like that, just to push this um, young generation a little bit. Yeah. But there are so many great young artists and I love, love to support them. So, um, Are yeah. these all techno artists? Yes. Okay, yeah. So that really is your, that's your part of the world that you niche, live in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, running a record label mm-hmm. uh, is, I think, because, you know, our, our business does stuff that's a bit like that because mm-hmm. we produce music, so we need to manage the rights. Yeah. Running a record label uh, comes with, you know, once you open the box, loads of work that you didn't realize yeah. you needed to do. Like a million stuff. Yeah. So do you have to handle all your publishing, all of your recording rights? Like everything. Yeah. From beginning, from the design to, 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 you know, mastering, of course, I have people who are doing that, but you need to organize everything. And um, at the beginning, um, I was releasing only vinyls, you know, and later on, when everything started with this also um, with the virus and the corona, um, pressing the vinyl started to last like for seven, eight months. Yes. Whereas you know? before it had been... 
And I was like calculating, okay, how many releases then I will have per year, you know, yeah. if, I, if I continue like this. Yeah. And there were so many great artists. So I started also to uh, release a lot of digital stuff, you know, and yeah, it's, it's really good. I'm really happy with the label. Yeah. So how do you, so you produce stuff on vinyl. How do you actually orchestrate a you know a run of a a twelve inch single on vinyl? Because yeah. that's the kind of thing that would really just uh, seem overwhelming if you've never done it before. It's like because you have to commit to a minimum number of pressings, mm-hmm, yeah. and then how do you sell them? How do you find a market for them? Yeah, it's always like three hundred, five hundred. You know, it's it's not much, but uh, for the underground label, I think it, it's it's great, and I'm happy all of the releases actually were sold out. You Brilliant. Know? So that's that's achievement. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the process is you get uh, uh, tracks from from the artists, um, then we run it through the mastering. Um, we talk with the engineer about maybe what we need to fix or what what artists should maybe think about, and then I'm just sending everything to my distribution, and they are taking care of of, of distributing the vinyl, pressing the vinyl, and all other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, now it's a pretty long wait for that, but um, it's it's always nice to have a vinyl, you know, yeah. in the end. Yeah. So um, the latest one I done was with with the Rove Ranger. It's an um, artist from Stuttgart. Um, it's, it was really beautiful uh, blue vinyl. So yeah, it's really, really nice to have that also in the collection. And where can people, if, if people wanted to go and look for this and, and to, to buy it, where would they go? Uh, you can buy it all over the in, uh, internet shops. So DJDE, Juno, um, Dex, yeah. you know, and, and all other standard stores. Yeah. And so you started doing a lot more of that during lockdown. Um, also, were you so? How did you keep your your mixes sharp during lockdown? And how how do you um, continue developing that when you've got no crowd? Yeah, that that was really a mindfuck, you know, how yeah. how, to, how to do it. Um, I was listening, of course, a lot of music, and there was many many live streams. I also done I I don't know I think ten live streams, you know, in that two two years period. So that that was something that kept me alive, at least like a like an imaginary party, you know, imagine the feel of the party. Yeah. So it was fun also to organize that. Um, I done also, not only from home, I done some locations also in Croatia. These uh, kind of like outdoor things uh, or? Yes, uh, one was, uh, I, I done a few outdoors and um, I think the main achievement is that uh, my home hometown, Osijek, uh, gave me permission to do it on one of the main squares. Right, right. So uh, it was it was really beautiful because um, my hometown is really nice historic place. Yes, and we uh, organized um, recording with a drone, and it, it's really really beautiful, like a postcard from my city. Love that. So that was really beautiful. Also, I done some underground places like um, old garages, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. That was actually what kept me kept me alive, and yeah. I was still in the mood. Like, okay, something is happening. It's it's not over. Yes. So that and the teaching and you know, yeah, this is what kept me alive. Adapt and survive. Yeah. And twenty one last year. Mm-hmm. When did you start actually getting out again? And did did, did the room feel different the first time? Uh, it was on and off because uh, we had like a lockdown and then it was like two, three months. It was like, okay, nothing, nothing is happening, you know, so we can again go touring. Um, but I think main, um, main uh, time when, when I actually felt like, okay, I'm alive again, yeah. <laughs> was my um, tour in Colombia. Again, like uh, it was, I think, August 
2020. And that's when I felt, okay, I'm traveling again. This was <laughs> August 2020? Yeah. So it was, that was only like five months after everything started. Uh, sorry, 21. Oh, 21, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. 21. But that first year felt like about 10 no, years. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't remember what I, what I was doing actually for like, there, there is no two years in my life. Yeah. Like, like everything is deleted. Everything felt the same for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So, okay. So August last year. Yeah. Columbia August tour. last year. Uh, that was my actually first, like first tour and it was big tour. I had like, I think six gigs in Colombia. So it was fun and I was traveling again. I saw a lot of people. Uh, actually at that time, everybody was still scared with the, uh, with the yeah. virus and everything. And I was like, okay, I will wear my mask, you know, when I go to party and then when I saw all these people and they wanted to hug me, I was like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, like, of course, straight <laughs> if away. If I need to die from this, <laughs> let's do it. So you, yeah, you think the, the party was worth dying for? Yeah, That's definitely. What an attitude. Feeling. Well, I mean, I went, to, I went to Dubrovnik for the first time this year. Oh, nice. I've been to Croatia before. Yeah. And I did sense a real, um, uh, you know, a real, strength of character in Croatia. Okay. You know, and um, and that was really good to see. Uh, well, obviously, because we had the tour around the, the, tour around the city and mm-hmm. it was very much, you know, uh, the, the backdrop was the war. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it did seem like that had, like you said, uh, or like we were saying, that had fostered a real, a real strength of character. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that will make you a party go, fuck it, I'm just going to do this. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So did you enjoy the Dubrovnik? I thought it's... it was brilliant. I thought it was yeah. beautiful. And I was only there for a day. It felt far too short. So oh, yeah, that's, that's short. I definitely want to go Actually, back. Actually, whole, whole Croatia is really beautiful. Yeah. Like so many different stuff that you can do. And not only coasts. I, I, I live in continental part of Croatia. Um, like more towards the border with the Serbia, yep. eastern part. So it's also very beautiful. A lot of history, a lot of nature, a lot yeah. of parks, and in my city, a lot of good techno. So. Yeah. So how much time are you spending there at the moment? You know, Oof, this month I was, I think, only four or five days. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this month was really like I was on the tour all the time. Yeah. Um, but normally I sp- spend my weekdays there. Yeah. Are you your own management? Do you book your own gigs? Or? No, 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 no. Right. I'm, I'm with Apalago from Berlin. Uh, I couldn't do it by myself. No. I was doing it by myself till I joined Apalago and that was uh, in 2017. All right. So till then I actually did manage all my gigs and it was pretty exhausting with yeah. the start of the label, with everything. It was pff, too much. Yeah. And then um, the funniest thing is that uh, I uh, actually played first time in Berghain um, and I played after Dustin Zahn and uh, Dustin Zahn is my, uh, was my fellow in, in the Apelago and actually whole Apelago crew was there listening to him, uh, supporting him and they stayed uh, in my set a little bit and they then stayed till the end and really loved what I'm doing and then we actually signed deal for, Brilliant. For, for the Apelago. That, so that's why that's why the deal was signed. What did, pe- were people scoped? Did people, I don't know, ha, ha, what what does it take for you to get signed to a to a management roster? Do, do you, you know, you have to be very present, you have mm-hmm. to have a big social following or? For me, it was actually only my gig, how I played then. So the most important only part. music, you know. And the funny thing, like how I get the gig in the Berheim, that's also like mostly goes through the agencies. Yeah. And uh, I, I got it. I was not in the in the agency back then. Actually, I had a, I, I was in Lehman agency, but actually that didn't get me through to to the Berheim. Yeah. Um, what get me to the Berheim was the, my gig in Trezor, 
um, because in when I played in Tresor for the first time as Insulate, uh, I was showcasing my new alias because play, before I played as Miss Sunshine. Um, actually, in the public was uh, Berheim Booker. Right. And he, he heard me in Tresor and that's why I got booked in in Berheim for the first time. And so, is that like a real crowning moment for you? Yeah, it, it was. Actually, changing of my name was, was a really big thing. So was there any risk? Did you have like a big following when you were Miss Sunshine? Yeah. And how, how do you take all your fan base with you? Oof, that was really hard because um, at the first I didn't want to change my name. Mm. Um, and then uh, there was actually a few reasons why I changed it. So first reason was that... Um, one other Miss Sunshine appeared <laughs> in Berlin, and uh, she was she played um, I think some some kind of progressive progressive house something like that, and people started to write me messages. Okay, we see you you play in uh, in that and that club. Got it. And I was like, no, I'm I'm not playing that. And then I I figured out okay, there's probably some other girl that is also using the same name, but I was already like I don't know fifteen years. Into, into Miss Sunshine. I had many productions under my name and everything. So if I wanted to go it to Kurt, uh, to uh, like a, take a lawyer and sort this out, I could do it. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, okay, maybe this is the sign that um, I need to change something. And yeah. also I started to feel like Miss Sunshine started, because I started in 97. Yeah. And it, sounds, it sounded like that. like a, It like sounded a kid, like 97. You know? yeah. yeah. So I wanted to do something new, something fresh. And uh, actually, I, Berhain has so many things in my life that sorted out. Uh, and then actually I was privately at Berhain and listening DJ Deep uh, from Deeply Rooted. And um, he played one of my tracks as Miss Sunshine. And I went to say hello to him, like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm that one <laughs> that you're playing the vinyl. Yeah. And uh, at the first, he didn't figure out because he was so stressed about the, about the DJing and he didn't understand me what, what, what I was saying to him. And he just said oh, something like, okay, okay, like, don't bother me, something like that. Yeah. And I was like super sad about it. And uh, I was standing in the, in the bar and he was passing through and we somehow get uh, together again, eye to eye. And uh, I said to him, hello again. And he said, so sorry, I uh, I didn't, I thought that you're speaking to me in German because he was so stressed about his gig. <laughs> right. He didn't understand me what I was saying. And I said, yes, hello, okay, no problem. I'm Sunshine, blah, blah, blah. And he told me, I really love your production. Uh, let's get to lunch tomorrow and let's sign uh, EP for Deeply Rooted. Nice. That was actually my first like super, super big label. I was so happy. And um, he was the one who told me, maybe you should think about do it under uh, other alias. Yeah. So he didn't say to me, change the name, like just do want to make, make maybe do it uh, under other alias so you can express yourself differently as an artist. Yeah. And <laughs> for me, that was the second sign that I maybe supposed to change yeah. the name. So, and when I changed it, uh, it was hard at first, but also very interesting because I didn't said to the world like, okay, Miss Sunshine is changing to Insulate. I just released like a project, Insulate. And uh, it was at the first a little bit mysterious, like who is he or she, you know, you didn't know what, what it's about. Yeah. 
And in the end, uh, yeah, I, 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 I had my first gig um, as Insulate in Trezor in Berlin and that get me to Berheim and like everything was like, okay, everything, this, this was a good choice. Yeah, <laughs> like all the stars aligned after that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that's, and that was five years ago, did you say? It was uh, 2017, 2017, yes. 17, okay, yeah. So, or 16, I don't know. It was in that, in that time. It was in that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when everything started to get crazy worldwide. Yeah. So uh, what happens with your, um, how does, how does, how do gig bookings work? You know, do you just get told you're going here at this time and here's your plane? No, I'm, or? I'm always uh, talking with my agency. Yeah. They, uh, they um, said me maybe what I supposed to do or what they think like it's good to do. And in the end, it's my decision. Will I go to play somewhere or not? Um, or what I want to do, I maybe ask them to push maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I love to do... Um, Colombian tour every year. I'm doing. I'm doing it from 2010. It's one of my favorite countries to play, and I really have a lot of fans there. So I love to go there. So I'm always pushing like every year at least one one tour there. Um, have you been to the US? I also played like last uh, three years, uh, if we don't count the. Corona years. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just scrubbed that from their yeah. diaries. Yeah. So yeah, I had three years in a row. I was doing also American tour. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fun. How did you get the... Um, and also in China. I've been in China just... I, maybe I was... I, I brought the Corona here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that just before? <laughs> just before. Okay, yeah. yeah. So end of We'll edit that out so the insulate does not get arrested <laughs> by the CDC. patient zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mystery solved. Yeah. So yeah, end of 2019, I was also on my first Chinese tour. What was the crowd like there? Um, China is, I think, in the beginning of everything. Yes. Um, it's very fun to play there because you feel like you are actually part of the history of something. Now something is going to start. Yeah. Um, I played in Beijing and Guangzhou and um, I really, really love the crowd. They're really, really nice people. Um, they still need to get that party spirit. Loosen up a bit. Loosen up a bit. Mm. But uh, I think... Well, now, I, when when I was when I came back from the China tour, I was telling everybody I see a big uh, future for them. Yes. Now I don't know what I'm seeing because with this old Corona. Yeah. Well, they, it is an authoritarian country, so they can just say this is what we're doing now. Yeah, and they're so scared about it. Like we are. I, now I see how good life we have yes. in Europe. How everything is easy. You can uh, take this uh, application or use that, or you know, it's. They're super, super, you can see in their minds, they're super strict. Yeah. And yeah. still under the regime, no matter, maybe it's loosened up a bit. Yeah. But still it's like super strict. Well, I suppose it's because they've become, they have, China has become very, very rich in the last 30 years. Yeah. And I think I heard somewhere that the typical, the buying power of the typical person in China is doubling every seven years, Ooh. which means you're getting, you're getting twice yeah. as rich every seven years, of course. And I think when you grow that quickly, you become very scared about losing it maybe. And of yeah. course, you and know, all, well, I think also their, their uh, regime is super strict, like uh, politics and yes. like laws and everything is super strict. Absolutely. So we can, we, I think we can't imagine. No the the level level of it no and certainly not here in the uk because um 
you know, we we take for granted that we weren't even on mainland Europe in the 20th yeah. century when there was lots of conflict over how to run places there, to put yeah. it mildly. Well, I'm came, I'm, uh, I was born in Yugoslavia. Of course. Know? And um, we never had such a strict regime as they have it. Even maybe. when you were in Yugoslavia? Yeah. 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 Was, forgive me for checking something I could just check on Wikipedia afterwards. Was Yugoslavia a product of the Soviet Union? Uh, Yugoslavia was uh, like, we, uh, it was um, ca- many countries. So we have Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia, Macedonia. Yep. You know, so we were all one country. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, because I, as I said, I was traveling Europe, albeit not in as stylish a way as you do. Um, I was just a tourist uh, over the <laughs> over the summer. It's also amazing. Uh, I, it's, I love to be tourist. <laughs> it's good that you can do that. I mean, maybe for you, it feels like you're not working when you're being a tourist. Maybe. Yeah. Although I don't know. I'll get into that in a minute. But the main thing is that in uh, Croatia, um, the feeling was uh, because I believe Croatia voted in a referendum to. Leave Yugoslavia. To leave, yes, yeah. To leave Yugoslavia. And so the mood in Croatia was that was a good thing. Yeah. And then I traveled down to Montenegro and a guy who was uh, piloting a boat I was on, he said, oh, I don't know, things were better before. And I was like, this is history. We just don't have to contend with. Yeah. 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 It's, I think th- there are many different opinions yeah. about everything. Like maybe um, older people are okay, before it was better. Yeah. But uh, I think for, for us and our state of mind, how we are thinking, like the, the new generations and younger generations than me, uh, we could never, never live in that kind of regime. Of course, you know? yeah, it, it takes quite a thing to say that a what a a one part a one party totalitarian regime was yeah. a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so. um, I don't know. Our, our parents lived good life there, and they were like secure, and but they still didn't have so many opportunities. You know, yeah. you you couldn't do whatever you want. Yeah. And I don't know, they were, they were working at one job from, from the time, for example, my mom, she was a school teacher mm-hmm. and she, she worked at school from when she finished the college till the end of her life. You wow. know? It's like at the same place, yeah. you know, and for that, for them, that was achievement. Yes. For us now, that's not achievement. Yes. We want to do different stuff. Yes. We want to explore things, you know, so it's less totally too different and... Uh, to each their own, you know. Of course. Yeah. But you this started with you saying that even Yugoslavia wasn't as authoritarian as yeah, what you yeah, see in China. Yeah. There was there's they were super scared. For example, we were using VPNs, yeah. uh, you know, to use Facebook, Instagram. And, oh wow. So know. when you go there, you have to use VPNs. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they 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 it's not allowed to use it. Yeah. And we were driving with the promoters in a taxi. And uh, I was freely speaking, like, oh, which VPN are you using? And they were like, shh, don't, don't tell anything. Like, maybe driver, taxi driver will tell something to somebody. I was like, what you know, Why don't you wind down the window and say democracy is a good thing? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Like, for me, that was like, okay, like a culture shock. Yeah. 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 But uh, so you played, so you, but you've played a DJ sets there, which is also amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Winding my memory back to one thing, where to where I discovered you, I found you on Boiler Room. Okay. And mm-hmm. how does that opportunity come about? Because I don't know if it is. Because again, I'm so I'm so distant from this culture. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know if Boiler Room is seen as a, a big achievement. It's a big moment or what? For me, it was because it was my first Boiler Room, and uh, I really wanted to do it for a long time. Where was it? It was in Switzerland, in Zurich. Right. And actually, it's so very well connected uh, because this party t- tonight. 
involved, uh, is actually organized by the guys who are organizing Boiler Room. No way. Yeah. Wow. So Adrit from uh, Zurich, the guys are doing an amazing job, um, throwing great parties, and they also organize the Boiler Room. Wow. So... You see, everything is connected. Yes. We were saying this, me and Elvin, when we were setting up, the more you do something, the smaller the world gets. Yeah. You know all the people. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. So yeah, it was, for me, it was great, great night. I loved it. Um, Many great artists um, and um, Adrit's organization is like family to me. So I was really happy to be a part of it. So to any, uh, we'll, we'll do a couple more points and then because I'm not in my own studio, we're running out of time. <laughs> um, a couple more points. One, two, young or not so young, aspiring DJs, anyone who wants to get into it, mm-hmm. what's your advice for how to start? How to start with DJing or producing? Good question because they are two different things. And yeah. is it a lot of people do both? A lot of people do both. You do both, of I course. I do both. Yeah. Uh, some people are only producing at first because uh, I think that's maybe now the outlet to um, show the world who you are. You can do you that know. privately. You can grow yeah, privately. Yeah, you can release on Bandcamp yeah. alone. You don't need to sign with uh, some big uh, label at first. Or SoundCloud or whatever. Or yeah. SoundCloud. But you can you can sell it, Bandcamp. So you can still get some, some kind of money you know, yeah. from it. Um well, I don't know. You just need to love it. For me, it was, it was immediately. I, I was, I had immediate crush, crush yeah. on the music, you know. Yeah. And nobody actually showed me how to do it, how to DJ. Yeah. I was just looking at the DJ. Okay, he's doing this and that, this and that, and then I tried it by myself. Okay, I get it. You yeah. know, so f- nobody showed me beat matching. You, you, I understand it by myself. So I don't know. For me, there is no like uh, big school that, that can help you to get into that. Uh, maybe some technique stuff. Uh, uh, maybe for producing is much more useful yes. than for DJing. DJing is, is about feeling, you know. Yeah. Producing, still you need to know some technical stuff. And now on YouTube or masterclasses, you can learn a lot of stuff. But I don't know. Do you just need to have feeling about it? You so know? you, fo- so let's say you followed your passion and followed your heart. That brought you into a place yes. where you saw people doing it, and then you could try it, and then you got your residency through that. Yes, and I think that's why I'm still doing it. You yeah. know, after 25 years, because a lot of people start to to play because they want to be famous, hmm. or they want a girls, or they want a boys. You know, and it's like many different, many different reasons why somebody is doing it. But if you are not doing it because of the music and the passion. It's like it's gonna be over, yeah. you know, very soon because it's not always good. No, then like I had super hard times that I didn't have anything to eat, you know. Really? Yeah, it was super hard. I didn't have any gigs. Like, what will I do? I've I've I've, I've done numerous things, you know, just to get the money, you know. Yeah. What whatever, you know. I also finished my college. Um, I, I was thinking, okay, maybe if this doesn't work out, you know, you need to have like second option. But in the end, I I never use that option well I, I didn't I didn't go towards that okay I, I have this and then I maybe will do do that if I if I don't not succeed I was doing only I need to succeed yes it's my only option yes I need to I need to do it what, what I what I need to do to get to that point that that I'm touring again so that actually brought me to production music production so the, the year I started to produce was 2006 and uh it was the worst year in my life and I didn't have any gigs, like maybe one gig in two, three months. That was not enough. For Why was it so hard to find them? Because uh, in Croatia and all around the world started to uh, this tech, tech house movement 
and uh, I didn't want to switch to that. I was playing then 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 more minimal sound. Yep. So um, I just didn't have gigs. You know, I didn't have agency. I was doing everything by myself. It's hard, like a girl from Croatia, from small type, small town in Croatia. Yeah. It, it was just not working. And this was presumably, so it was 2006, it's before the, the, because the culture in the West in the last few years has uh, rallied around the promotion of female talent. Yeah. In 2006, a uh, female DJ, very, very small yeah. Uh, market. Yeah, right. very small market, a very small percentage of, of the female DJs in, in overall. overall. So, yeah, I, I, actually these hard times, oops, sorry, <laughs> got me to... Um, to production, to music production. Yeah. Because I was thinking, okay, what what could I do to stay in this? Yeah. So I started to to look at some YouTube channels about the music and started to to build up a little bit little bit by little bit my my home studio. It was like super stupid, like just some random computer and the random speakers. Yeah. And like, just like, let's do it. Well, it's like we said at the start, isn't it? You've got to get used to the fact that when you're starting something, you're not going to know what you're doing at the beginning. You're and going you will to not have wrong. everything what you want, you That's know? Right. Like it's going to be super plain and simple. Yes. But it worked out for me because uh, already after a few years, I, I got uh, my first vinyls, I signed my first vinyls, I, I signed my first releases, some remixes. And actually then I started from 2010, I again started to, to play a lot abroad. Right. Portugal and all, all, all around. So that's when life started to kick back into action. Yeah. And at first when you're producing your own tracks, I'm sure you had that same journey that everyone goes through where you're like, oh, this is so much harder than I thought. How do you mix it all together? Yeah. And you get the, how do you get the kick and the bass to yeah. work together and not, yeah. Yeah, but it's actually really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, like from, I think DJing, okay, maybe because I'm doing it for such a long time and it's easier for me. But production is really something special that you can craft like... All your life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason I started this series was basically just to hack knowledge from producers about how to make music. Yeah, and so yeah. that's been really useful. Um, but yeah, so um, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, oh, no. Already? Which, I know. It's a shame, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. like the festival set. It's only just getting going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just getting into it. <laughs> what, what, what happens now for you? Because you're, you're not playing for another 12 hours. Yeah. What does the rest of the evening look like for you? So now I think I will go for uh, artist dinner where I'm going to meet all my colleagues. We're going to hang out a bit and then I'm going straight to hotel to rest a bit. Yeah. Actually, I slept like two hours before this podcast also. <laughs> Is that part of the life of the DJs? You got to sleep as and when. Yes. Right. And uh, actually now I'm a little bit jet lagging also. So I'm, I'm sleeping on and off. So I slept uh, last night like four hours. Yeah. Only and then I slept like at the at plane for one hour and then I came to London, slept again two hours, <laughs> uh, and yeah after after dinner I'm gonna also rest a bit and I think I will go to the I'm I'm doing the closing. That's um, four till six a.m. for everyone at home. Six a.m. Yes, <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. I think I will go to the club maybe one or two. Do you, do you try and stay there and just get the vibe and get? Yes, I love to get the vibe, and actually, I feel Adroit is my family. Like, of course, I'm really. We are really good friends. Yeah. So I want to hang out with them. Yeah. And it's a good opportunity because we don't see each other so often. Maybe a few times a year. Yeah. 
So normally I go to gig like one hour before and now I, I think I'm going to go like three, four hours become, before my set. Let's see. What a great life. when I wake up. <laughs> yeah, of course. And like we said, you know, you, you're 25 years in, which yeah. means, you know, you're, uh, I'm, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to reveal anyone's age here. But what I am saying is that you have a very, very cool life for someone who is clearly not 18, but still yeah. can actually live I'm that life. I'm 41 and I'm proud. Whoa, 41 and basically cooler than I've ever been. So um <laughs> One final question. Uh, have you played or are you going to be playing Warehouse Project in Manchester anytime? That's my hometown. Mm-hmm. We have this great month-long party, three-month-long party called Warehouse Project. Okay, cool. Do you know about it? No, sorry. Make I... sure your management get you on there. Okay, I will. I <laughs> yeah. definitely want to play more in UK. As I said, I didn't have opportunity to play so much here. And uh, let's see how tonight's going to go. So, of course. yeah, I think I'm going to love it because everybody's saying such a good things about Fold and about uh, people there. So, yeah, let's see. We'll catch up with how that went on uh, Instagram. You are insolate underscore official, is that right? Yes. Okay, so that's where you can catch insolate on Insta. This has been really good. Thank you for coming to talk Thank to you, me. Thank you, Greg, so much. It was a pleasure. <laughs>